Nick Kiprios here, and we need to talk New Energy. New Energy is a great-tasting, chewable tablet I carry everywhere. Whether I'm broadcasting a late-night doubleheader or going to an early-morning pickup skate, New Energy is, hands down, my go-to to help promote alertness, wakefulness, and relieve fatigue with only ingredients I love. Look for the orange stick at a retailer near you, or look for my webpage at getnewenergy.com slash kiprios. That's getneuenergy.com slash kiprios. This product may not be right for you. Always read and follow the link. All right, another episode of the World Hockey Report with Cody and Adam. Direct quote from Cody before we started this show. You're running this one because I didn't watch any hockey this week because I'm a hick from small town Saskatchewan. That's a thorough under the bus right there. Hey, at least I'm here for some laughs. People can at least appreciate that. Yeah, we're we're here for some laughs. A um, little shorter episode today. We thought we had an interview, and we still have that interview, but the timing to drop the interview doesn't really add up. You could probably say if you've been following our Twitter page. So no interview today. Uh, sh- shorter show. There was the... GM meetings, which we'll get into. We'll also get into a couple of smaller market teams maybe making the playoffs. And if they made the playoffs, could they actually do anything? Uh, Exceptional status week it was. So one guy got in, one guy didn't. We'll tell you who it was. And a couple of suspensions. So we'll start with the suspensions. The Jack Eichel was suspended two games for a high hit against Colorado, and then Jakub Voracek got suspended for his altercation with Johnny Boychuk. Um, did you see the place, Cody? You said you didn't watch hockey. I can't say I saw the Voracek one. I saw his tweet, though. That looked funny. Uh, I saw the Eichel hit. Um, was I mean, obviously, it's it's so similar to McDavid's, right, where you got to give him two games. But yet again, like I saw that hit. Was it Zadorov who crunched him earlier? Something like that. Yeah, dude, he got wrecked earlier, and it was right in the dome too. Like, blew off his lid, crushed him. It's kind of just a double standard where you're like, okay, why is one hit to the head worse than the other when they're both clearly, like, straight to the dome? But, yet again, that's the NHL and their suspensions. They just roll a dice up there. But, yeah, I see. I mean, McDavid gets two games, so should Eichel. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. As soon as I saw the hit, I was like, well... It's pretty similar to McDavid's. They make pretty much the same amount of money. Yeah, it's probably a two games. That was probably the right call. It's so awkward with like reaching and stuff because you don't mean to obviously do that, but still reaching and you still put yourself in that position. So I guess it's two games. The Voracek one, it probably drive Ray Ferraro crazy. It's the it was the reverse hit. So I got it up right now. The puck was in the Flyers and Voracek's on his wall. And the puck was kind of rimmed to him, and it was as it was coming, he shoulder-checked and saw uh, Boychuk coming from behind him, so he just dropped his shoulder into him. Boychuk, it almost looks like he really ran into his back, but Boychuk's back shoulder caught his head, and it's two games, which almost sparks the discussion. Um, our reverse hits penalties. I'm just watching it right now. Okay. So what I'm seeing... Yeah, that, I mean, the reverse hits garbage. That's that's just a joke of a play for one. Like, 
literally you know a guy's coming at you so you're just gonna be a chicken shit and stick your shoulder into a guy's head like that's just purely you're trying to injure the guy holy are you running around out there or what yeah like Boychuk kind of went in with like a a weird like like he just like went flying in there which is super weird yeah, but, I mean, that doesn't give Voracek the right just to turn his shoulder and put it right into his chin. Like, the whole reverse hit, it's getting so overplayed now where guys are like, oh, it's kind of defense, but realistically, it's just them trying to take an advantage to, you know, intentionally hammer someone right in the head. Yeah, it's true. It's I think two games is valid for it. It's not like it really affects Philadelphia because... They're seven points out of the playoff spot, or five points out. So, whatever. I mean, same old Philadelphia. A couple of streaking teams to talk about, namely the Arizona Coyotes. They're eight and two in their last ten games. They only have two losses, and I think their last fourteen or so. But that's kind of a random stat. Uh, one, two straight, eight and two in their last ten games. One point behind Minnesota for the final final wild card spot, but they do have a game in hand. So I mean, could we see the Coyotes make the playoffs? Definitely, no doubt about it. I mean, you gotta say they're at least in that playoff picture. Like, look at how good Camper's been playing. I mean, shout out Sasky guy. But I'd love to see a stat if someone would be able to pull this up or just comment on the actual episode when we put it on Twitter. Who does Darcy Kemper all have shutouts against this season? Because, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I know Toronto and Calgary. Yeah, Those are Toronto two damn good teams to put out a shutout against. Like, that's impressive. You're not shutting out the Vancouver Canucks or the New York Rangers. Like, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive for the Saski guy there. So, And everyone knows it's the National Goaltending League. You get hot at the right time, boom, you got your team in a playoff spot. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, not to bash on Kucherov right now, but they uh, his his uh, shutouts are coming when it matters. You know, it's not coming against, as you said, Vancouver and those teams. They're coming when it matters. And the craziest thing about him, he's a nine twenty goalie this year. And last year, the trade it was a little before the deadline. It, was, it at the time it seemed like just a low key move where it's like, yeah, Arizona trades. Uh, Tobias Reeder and Scott Wedgwood to LA for Darcy Kemper and maybe somebody else but I mean it was a really low-key move at the time where nobody really expected much everyone's like oh Arizona's anti-Ranta who's pretty good and LA wanted Tobias Reeder who I guess there's a lot of Oiler fans out there he has zero goals this year and he's gonna set a record for most shots without a goal um yeah so they got Kemper and Ranta got hurt and the craziest thing about Arizona, and I kind of had this semi-hot take tweet, Rick Tockett could win the Jack Adams if they sneak in. I mean, Barry Trout seemed to have that award locked up, but they've been, the Islanders have been about a 500 team in their last 20 games, so they've been struggling for sure. And I don't know, like, I have the stats up right here. Arizona and Anaheim are the two leaders in nine games lost to injury. So that just adds to it, and it's so crazy about Arizona. I mean, Clayton Keller leads our team with 44 points in 68 games. Like, like what's that about? And it's like, 
and their whole their top two forwards Keller Galchenyuk minus seventeen and minus nineteen, and then you look at who they have who's missed games. I mean, Schmaltz has only played seventeen games. Grabner's only played twenty seven. Um, Brad Richardson's played fifty two out of sixty eight. Jason Demers is out for the year. Christian Dvorak has only played six games. Antiranta twelve, as I said, and then yeah, it's pretty much it. But it's not like you're having just bunch of third and fourth liners getting hurt like these are big pieces for them so i mean i'd be all in for arizona to make the playoffs oh i'd love it like if you want to think of a franchise that you want to see in the playoffs it's definitely arizona like just to get that whole you know it's not the winnipeg whiteout anymore but i mean they embrace it those fans would love playoff hockey and if you want to bring a good product to the ice i mean if you can do it get them in playoffs get them to go on a bit of a run like remember when they were in the western conference a while ago that place was electric if only florida could try to do something like that they're still in the western conference no in the western conference final jackass ah you must have cut out ah blame it on that all right all right so basically moving on to arizona east here the carolina hurricanes are holding the first wild card spot in the the eastern conference they are two points up on Columbus and Montreal. And then I guess they're only two points behind Pittsburgh for third in the Metro. So that's crazy. They're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They got smoked by Winnipeg the other night. Uh, they're down 5-1 after two periods. And Ajo and Niederreiter were both the minus five. So it's a tough game for them. You're probably hoping you get benched at that point. But, man, Carolina, like, the only thing about them is goaltending, and I mean, I don't think anybody thinks that Curtis McElhaney's in nine fourteen goalies played twenty seven games, and this kind of goes back to our rotating conversation because Mrazek's thirty two and McElhaney's twenty seven, which obviously I don't think it's ever gonna work doing that. But they got some nice players on their team. Aho has seventy seven points. He's a RFA. Somebody offer sheet him. Tara Vinan, 63 points. Justin Williams, another 20-goal year. And then just underrated guys. I mean, Jacob Slavin, 28 points. Brett Pesci, 22 points and a plus 27. I mean, I'm all in for Carolina to make the playoffs. I really hope they don't. That whole stupid post-game celebration, just the fact that their owners are cheap as shit. They have to use knockoff Hartford Whaler jerseys. Can't stand anything about them. Yeah, Sebastian Ajo's sick. They're not a playoff team. Don't kid yourself. They're not getting in. Doesn't matter if they're holding a wild card spot right now. They're going to find a way to blow it. Mark my words right there. Easy there, Don Cherry. Uh, I think they're going to get in. I mean, I think it's it's good for them. They haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, I believe. They're like 06 and then maybe 09 or something like that. And then they ended up... Uh, yeah, they have the longest drought, I know that for sure. So Back yeah, when Artris Erbe played? Yeah, that's a little before the cup even. But yeah, Aho, I mean, he's a restricted free agent. And if somebody really wants to screw Carolina, offer him $9 million a year. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh man, Marner, point. Maybe just like try and take advantage of the poor kid on the street, Carolina. So that'd be pretty interesting. Here's a Here's a hypothetical for you. Obviously, we aren't financial guys. We don't work for the NHL. But what's better for the league? If a super rich team like Montreal makes makes the playoffs and 
obviously ticket prices there are probably three times more expensive. So the gate in Montreal would be way higher than in Carolina, but you actually are doing well in a poor hockey market if Carolina makes the playoffs. So what would you say is better for the league? The NHL's all about money. Come on, we all know that. They're taking they're just taking that straight cash all day. They know they can jack prices through the roof in Montreal. They're gonna get their cut. That place is gonna be electric. Whereas Carolina, you just hope they sell out. Like you just hope like one of their playoff games doesn't match with a college basketball or baseball day. Yeah, that's fair. It's obviously a basketball state and it is March Madness, so I mean Yeah, the NHL playoffs don't start for a while. Yeah, well, they start during March Madness, so there's no. That. Um, yeah, Did they yeah, actually? March Madness goes to like middle of April. NHL playoffs start at the start of April. Ooh, I don't know. We're gonna have to fact check you on this one. Yeah, March Madness is like it's like weird. It starts like halfway through March and then goes into like middle of April or end of April. That's so. NCAA education right there. Quality at its finest. There's a there's an overlap for sure. Um, Speaking of teams that have been super hot, we'll talk about the upper echelon more so. I guess we'll get into both again. Um, Upper echelon of the Eastern Conference, the Boston Bruins had a 19-game point streak actually snapped snapped to Sunday night. So just the day before this podcast dropped, they they lost Sunday afternoon to the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-2. It was kind of weird, though, because... They started Tuukka Rask against Ottawa, and then started Halak against um, the the Penguins, which is a bit of a strange thing to do. But Halak obviously wasn't the reason they lost. Um, what are your thoughts on Boston? Anytime you can go nineteen games in a row with points is ridiculous. Like, just think about that. That's only nineteen straight games you've either won or you've at least been tied and pushed it to overtime. So that's pretty crazy, pretty impressive. And yet again, that's a team you don't want to face in playoffs. You got to say that because, hey, they're just getting older. Pasternak's getting more experienced. As long as Tukarask doesn't choke or Halak can hold the fort, still a pretty dangerous team. Yeah, I agree with you. And for like the third straight year, they're 95%. Sure, they're going to play Toronto in the first round. It's just about jockeying for position. They have a game at hand and are four points up on the Leafs. Um, Obviously, that series is going to happen. So there's that. And then Washington, they've won seven straight games and are 9-1 in their last 10. Um, Kind of same old song for them. It seems like they'll have these like kind of like stretches where they play 500 for about 20 games and then... They're like, oh shit! Like we're we're good enough to make the playoffs, so we're gonna go on a run here. And, and it seems like it's happened that way for for the last couple of years, where it, the regular seasons just don't even matter. Matter like they know they're making the playoffs. They're obviously making the playoffs, and they're a cup contender. So why waste energy? You don't need to, I guess. A cool thing that I uh, read the other day, or it was a question, it was a poll, or something like that. Would love to get your take. I mean, kind of speaking of the Caps, because. A lot of people did pick uh, Braden Holtby, but okay, you're going into Game Seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Who do you want in net? Like, like who would you pick right now? You got to choose any goalie in the NHL. Mm, that's a that's a good question. Uh, 
like it's Vasilevsky isn't really a proven playoff guy. I think that I'd still go with Holpe. He's not. He's like the Capitals. I mean, last year he didn't even have a shutout in the entire regular season, and then in the playoffs he shut out Tampa in Game Six and Seven. So like he just kind of his heart beats the same as the team, I guess. Fair enough. No, it's 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 a really tough one. Like, cause you think about going well, maybe a guy like Carey Price, eh? like you know, one of the league's elite, or Henrik Lundqvist, but. Heck, like Lundqvist has been to, what, one finals in his career? Carey Price, Carey Price has gotten none. So it's hard to go with one of those guys. The only guy that other really comes to mind is Flurry, and, you know, he's been known to have his ups and downs in playoffs as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good point there. Um, yeah, obviously, Tampa's won. Washington should finish first in their division unless they fell off. The Islanders have fell off, as I said. In the West, though, it's it's kind of like just like the dog days in the West. I mean, you look at the Central, Winnipeg four five and one in their last ten, Nashville five and five in their last ten, St. Louis five three and two, and they're all within five points of each other. Winnipeg eighty four, Nashville eighty three, uh, St. Louis seventy nine. So, like, I think you you'd really want first in that division just because the two threes a lot harder than a a Minnesota slash Dallas first round. So the central, they're just kind of snailing their way to the finish line in the West though. We'll give our, our weekly flames update. Um, they've actually fallen, I think for the first time and who knows how long, but they've fallen behind San Jose. The flames have lost four straight. San Jose's won four straight. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're struggling the flames. It seems like they kind of lost their mojo and, They've gone through so many stretches this year where it's they win five straight, then they lose three, and there's not really any consistency yet. They've got so many ups and downs. As we've said countless times, they're just, I mean, they're not a consistent team. They played above their heads. I like them. They're, they're a fun team to watch. They could do some noise in playoffs if they get hot goaltending. But as they've even proved tonight, I mean, got the Golden Knights uh, Flames game on TV. They're not up to the same caliber as the league's elite. They're not a top five NHL team. They they played out of their boots for sure. Yeah, it's fair. It kind of comes down to those top guys. And for the most part, in the last month or so, they haven't really done, done themselves any justice at all. So, I don't know. There's, there's that. I mean... Obviously, the goaltending we've talked about lots, and then they're playing Vegas tonight, and Vegas has won six straight, and Mark Stone, Pacioretty, and Paul Stastny. Like, it seems like that's like a forty-year-old line, just because all those guys have kind of been like the guy on their team. I mean, in Colorado, Stastny was was almost the guy there for a little bit, and then Pacioretty was the guy in Montreal, and then Stone was the guy in Ottawa, and maybe they all shouldn't be the guy, like on their team individually but once they all get put together then they mesh pretty well yeah that's i mean you see how big those deadline moves are though like even just throwing mark stone in the mix right now he's looking like he's going to be worth every penny like he just boosted their power play like an incredible amount if you watch him out there boy he's something else like he he needed 
to be on a team like that. I'm glad he did. He's going to get paid there too. And he gets out of that dump of Ottawa. Where they've got no clue what's happening next for them. That's a crapshoot. So, yeah, it's good for Vegas. And honestly, watching them right now. Like, them and San Jose are going to have no problem going toe-to-toe with Winnipeg and Nashville. Guaranteed. Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be a fun series. And Vegas makes it to round two. We might have some World Hockey Report uh, coverage, live coverage of, of a game in Vegas. A um, little spoiler alert there. But, yeah, we talked about the big deadline moves that Vegas made and it's not like it was like a real shift. I mean, they got Mark Stone, but they're still pretty much guaranteed to finish third in the Pacific Division anyways. But I'm almost like selfishly hoping that Columbus makes the playoffs because, and even like goes on a run because they pretty much flipped their team. Like they got so many guys for so many picks. And if that fails, I mean, I could see it scaring off a lot of GMs next year. Well. Yet again, like we already talked about the pieces that they did. Sure, they kept us busy on deadline day, making a bunch of moves, acquiring a seventh defenseman, picking up the Matt Duchesne curse. But I I do think they're going to squeak into playoffs. Yet again, it's just one last hurrah. Panarin's not going to do anything in playoffs, and yet neither is Bobrovsky. Like If they've proven it in the past, it's probably not going to work out for them. It's just going to be... They'll be lucky to squeak in past a team like Carolina. And I mean, we all know who's coming out of that Metro. Like, there, there's no chance that they beat a team like Washington or Pittsburgh in playoffs. None. No, and obviously, they're up 2 nothing on Washington, hit the post in Game 3 in overtime, and then a puck deflects off three guys, and Washington's back in the series and wins four straight. Um... A minor, a minor new move, which is kind of major, just given the guy's name. Alex Nylander has been recalled from Rochester. Saw a tweet. He has four goals in his last four games in the AHL. Um, eighth overall pick a couple of years ago, and clock's definitely ticking on him. Um, it's so weird because when he was drafted, everybody's like, "Oh, he's better than than William. Like he's a better Nylander," and it's like. Three years now, and he hasn't even made it. Nice dog bark in the background there. Yeah, Very shout subtle. out to Alaska. Yeah, not a big deal. Um, I, I mean, I haven't watched enough of Alex Nylander to really give a fair comment or assessment on him. But yeah, he was a stud in juniors. But some guys just aren't cut out for the pro game. Like, obviously, he's having American League success. So did Mark McNeil. Doesn't I mean it? Really doesn't translate over to the NHL. You gotta be a special specimen to be able to be successful there, and especially as a scoring forward. There's only room for so many. Sometimes you gotta take a different role, and if he's not willing to do that, well, that's why he's stuck in the minors, or he's going back over to Sweden. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, on the topic of standings and the NHL GMs meeting. I think, uh, from what I've gathered, they talked about the playoff format, but apparently they were fine with it. Um, as we all know, a couple of years ago, the playoff format changed from from uh, the traditional one eight two seven three six four five, and now it's 
one versus wild card, one versus wild card, and then two, three in each division. Um, see, I don't know. It's it's so weird because, like, for example, even even in Saskatoon here, the the junior team, the Blades, they've pretty much known they're facing Moose Jaw in the first round for I don't know how long, probably up the last month or so, just because that's how it worked. But it's quite possible they finished second overall in the league. But the only problem is the first overall in the league is uh, the team in their division, Prince Albert. So that's how it is. I mean, it's shitty because, like, it's going to be 3-4 Boston versus Toronto in the first round, where realistically it should be, like, Boston versus Pittsburgh and Toronto versus the Islanders. Oh, man, sign me up for that. Change the format. But the weirdest part is all those teams are going to play each other eventually, you know? Like, they're all going to play each other in the playoffs in some way at, at some point. So what does it matter if it's in round, round one or two, you know? You know, like, the whole playoff debate's going to be around forever. We talk about it every year. It is pretty stupid. I do get what they're saying with the, hey, you know, we want to try and make sure that we've got rivals playing or divisional opponents, whatever. So it makes sense from both sides of the fence. But end of the day, I, I get your point. You really don't want to see the second and third best team in the league playing each other in the first round. But if that's how it is, I mean, you know, us bitching on a podcast might not be the best way it works. For junior hockey, I think it's it's a totally different ball game where you could almost use travel as an extent because you don't want to see Brandon playing, not Prince George, Calgary. Edmonton. Yeah, you know, like a, a Lethbridge or something in the first round. Like, I get it from that standpoint, but... Although last year, I guess, I couldn't see this ever happening in the NHL because the parity in the league, like, this teams are so close, but last year in junior hockey, the Blades finished, I think, seventh in the conference or sixth in the conference, but the other division was so bad that they finished ahead of those teams, but the playoff format ended up getting them. I mean, it does make for rivalries in the NHL, but seeing Toronto-Boston three times in three years, it I'm not going to say it discredits the rivalry, but it's like, Oh, like it's the annual, it's the annual, annual thing where it's, it's not as rare. I think rivalries are better when it's not a yearly thing. It's, it's better when it's like, like once every so often where it's like, not like they're playing each other every year because you get used to it then where I think, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say though, but speaking of the NHL GM meetings, I'm not no, no, sure. No, no, no. I was not done with the standings. I was not done with the standings. Oh, okay. Go back with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I'm still here in case you want to just keep rambling on, but uh, what they need to fix though, is that stupid wildcard spots. That's a joke. Leave that for baseball. No one wants to watch these like teams battle it out for two final spots. If you're going to make it divisional, Make it divisional. You want the top four teams in the division. If you want to go one through eight conference style, do that. Don't do these stupid wild card spots. I hate trying to figure it out. You've got seven different standings on TSN, NHL.com. Like you confuse the idiots of the world. And I got to sit and try to do some math in my head. Man, what's the point of a wild card spot? What really does it do? Why is that better than just one versus four each division? Plays it out. See, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. Leave it for baseball. 
get rid of the wild card right away. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, as I said, speaking of the GM meetings, um, which nobody seems sure what goes on there. Like they get in a boardroom for maybe forty five minutes and then go in Suntown down down by the a lot of the drinking ocean there. Yeah, a lot of drinking expensive wine probably. Um, all the GMs just sitting poolside with all the media guy, Dregs, Bob, all the boys. A couple of interesting rule changes, I'd say this. Apparently, this was the first time in years where there hasn't been a big issue. Uh, like, there hasn't been a big offside or goaltender interference or anything like that. It's just minor changes. Here are three minor changes. Uh, there is expected to be clocks and end boards, which we talked about the NHL just being a big money pool. That's... A little strange because that is an ad that a team will have to take off their board for a clock, which is interesting. Um, if your helmet gets knocked off, you must change. So the rule in junior hockey is if it gets must knocked off, you must change. In C in like U sports hockey and AHL, if it gets knocked off, you can try and put it back on with the strap done up. And if you stay out, you get a penalty or something like that. If if the strap isn't done up. Currently in the NHL, uh, there is there's no rule. You, your helmet gets knocked off, you can still play. It looks super sweet, um, but obviously it's extremely dangerous. And then the last one here is uh, if you get a power play, it's obviously the draws in the offensive zone, but you can pick which side of the ice you want the faceoff on. Instead, I think now it's just whatever the face-offs on whatever side the infraction occurred. So an example of that would be Washington saying that they want Nick Backstrom taking the draw on the right side to set up Ovechkin for the one-timer across the ice. So something like that, what are your thoughts? Clocks in the end boards, helmets knocked off, and power play face-off. You just threw like seven different things at me. Uh, I've got three. so many thoughts going through my mind right now. Okay, clocks in the end wall, whatever. Like, you know, it gets rid of a sponsor. I've, you know, it's like the teams aren't going to fold. They're like, oh, damn, we can't get our money from TELUS or ESSO. So no one's going to really complain about that. Clocks in the wall, everyone's like, oh, but now a penalty killer doesn't have to look up. Give me a break. That's not what's on their mind during the game. They're not like, let's look in the corner for the clock and see if we're down by one or two. No, these are NHLers here. They're professional hockey players. They don't need a clock in the corner. Um, losing your bucket... You shouldn't have to skate off. Like, that's your chance to get a sick profile picture. NHL or not, like, come on. We gotta see who's got the real nice haircuts, who's rocking some sick flow. Safety, sure, whatever. How often does a helmet get knocked off, though? Is that really something they need to be discussing at the GM meetings? Is that such a big priority that they need to bring that up during the season? At NHL GM meetings? Seems pretty exaggerated. Kind of like swearing. Good good luck with that. Um, what was the last one? I'm a, drawing a blank. Uh, uh, face-offs. You get to pick which side the face-offs on. Oh, for a power that, play. Whatever. Like I I don't even know how, how... Does anyone actually know? Is anyone, Have you ever refed a game in your life? Like, like how do linesmen actually choose what side they go to? It's I've just got usually, no clue. usually whatever side the infraction on. So... And, like, if a guy gets hooked in the corner, the, the face-off usually stays on that side of the ice. 
But how about for like an icing? If it's an icing, then it's just how the well, it's whatever side of the ice the pass is from. So if a guy ices it from the left side of the ice, the faceoff is on on the left. left Actually, you know? I had no clue, not a clue no, how it, that works. It's whatever side it's on. Usually, it just stays. How 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 calming must that be when like my team's like, well, this goalie's got no clue what the hell is going on next. I actually yeah. had no clue what linesmen do uh, before that, so good to know, good to know. Um, I don't really think it makes that big of a difference. Like, hey, every team's got two centermen that are going to be their 1A and 1B, so if you can't win a draw, whatever. Not yeah, draws are usually like 50-50. I mean, if a guy's less than 45% on a draw, he's not probably not going to be taking many draws anymore. I guess a helmet one I kind of missed... Apparently they talked about making the helmets mandatory in warm-ups, which, I mean, one incident in eight years, obviously Taylor Hall fell, and I forget who it was that landed on his face, maybe Tom Gilbert, uh, Schmid, uh, one of the old, old Oiler D-men. Taylor Hall fell in warm-ups, and a guy's skate hit him in the face, so he needed a ton of stitches. Um I'm so mad about that. I mean, warm-ups is a time for NHL guys to be get out there, hair slicked back with gel, and then just, like, chewing gum without a bucket on. Like, I mean, that's that's what you want. Like, you don't want them to have their helmets on. I think helmets off looks way sicker. Yeah, like, the NHL wants to market its players, and then they're like, okay, well, warm-ups, you guys should be going so hard, you have to wear helmets. Like, come on. They're professional athletes. They're going out there so that they can go dangle a couple of pucks, sauce a couple of pucks, and rip a couple of wristers. Like, you don't need to go... I mean, honestly, do you need shoulder pads and warm-ups? Like, I get it. It's not Junior B where you can just go out there with whatever you want. But still, the whole helmet thing, if a guy wants to wear it, go for it. If someone does it, why? Because he spends like seven minutes of the warm-up stretching? Don't force him to wear a helmet. You know, as we talked about before, half these guys are just sitting there throwing pucks over the glass and sticks over the glass and warm-ups anyways. Why make them toss on a bucket and a visor just for, you know, 10 minutes of shinny, essentially? Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, for the most part, other than line rushes, guys don't even really have to participate in their own warm-up. Like, there's usually two or three guys that are getting the warm EGP. They're not even playing in the actual game. So there's that. Um, enough of that. I guess some some minor or junior hockey news, I guess. Uh, so a couple guys applied for exceptional status. Uh, Shane Wright applied for exceptional status in the OHL and was granted it, so he will be playing in the, the OHL next year. Matthew Savoie or Savoy, he got uh he applied for exceptional status in the Western Hockey League, was not granted it. Um obviously it's different. Both kids are 14. Um although the Ontario draft happens at 15, so Shane Wright will now go in the Ontario draft a year early. The dub bantam draft happens at 14, which is still stupid, and there's not really a way around it because you can't just take a year off from the draft, you know? So there's that. Uh, Wright got it, Savoy didn't, and people are like comparing this Savoy or Savoy kid to like Nathan McKinnon or Crosby or something like that, but it's crazy how it works. 
what are your thoughts on that? I know I know you've seen him play, right? Oh yeah, no, he's a heck of a player, unreal player. Uh, you're super bitter against Eastern Canada. I know that. I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, like I just can't stand French people, and so the OHL, like that's just basically all the exact same. It's Eastern Canada, Puh. spit on the ground there. For those of you listening, um, I don't know. The whole exceptional status thing just gets blown out of proportion. Everyone's like, what? Go-? Like, you know, he's too good to go back to Bantam Prep or whatever prep school academy these kids are playing at nowadays. Whatever. Let him play midget AAA. Let him rip it up as a 15-year-old. Exceptional status. I hate that. You're going to bring it to a board. It's kind of, it should be black or white. It should be you're in as a 15 or you're out. Don't make it go before a board and make it different for every league. Like, that's just stupid. It honestly doesn't make sense. It's kind of like, okay, you're old enough to play or you're not. If they're just going to make exceptional status for kids every other year, what's the point of even having an age limit then? What happens if a 21-year-old wants to apply for exceptional status? Be like, oh, he's just smaller than the other kids stupid make it black or white doesn't matter if this kid's like oh but he's too good for midget triple a no you're not whatever i get it he's a phenomenal talent go put up 150 points then whatever like it's he's gonna get the puck on his stick even more heck of a player but is he gonna do anything at 15 is that ontario kid gonna do anything at 15 never seen him play by the way fun fact for you that ontario guy uh but like i mean savoy is he really going to benefit from playing on the Swift Current Broncos third line, second line? I don't know. Master the level you're at, really. Send him to AAA. It's not like he's going to lose anything by going there. Everyone just wants the title of, oh, I was a 15-year-old exceptional status. I don't know. Hockey Cam just needs to set their rules and stick with it. Such a wishwash. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um the exceptional status thing lately has been blown out of proportion. I mean, it was granted for guys who would only supposed to be like a two-year player in the league, which would give them a third year, which would, I guess, make them a three-year player. But, I mean, so the first three guys to get it were uh, John Tavares, Aaron Eckblad, and Connor McDavid. So what do those three guys have in common? First overall, first overall, first overall. Two are superstars. Ekblad's pretty good. Um, Sean Day, who ended up going third round to the Rangers. And then, that's in the OHL. Then Joe Valeno, a couple years ago, he was on the World Junior Team this year in the queue. He ended up going 31 in the NHL draft. So, I mean, lately it seems like it's been blown out of proportion, just like, you get four, three guys who are first overall picks and then a guy in the third round and a guy at the end of the first round. So it should only really be for those, like, I guess, guys who are supposed to just be like unreal studs. Uh, I also agree with you. It's just if, like, this Savoy kid, apparently there's risk he might go play college now. Um, if he's really that good... He's not going to be playing college at 18. He'd be in the NHL at 18. So, like, if he wants to be this exceptional player who's supposed to be in the NHL at 18, then major junior is the only viable route. Because unless you fast-track college and somehow got there, I mean, 
play your with your Bantam team, carry them or your midget team, carry them to a Talos Cup if you're that great, and then at the end of the year, go and join your team for playoffs. But exactly, yeah, and then I do understand the. There's another thing with him. I do understand the fact that uh, he quite possibly told the league that he's not going to Prince George or Kootenai slash Winnipeg. And no offense to Prince George and Kootenai, but if you're that good of a player, you could probably tell those teams no because Prince George is like six hours away from civilization and Winnipeg is a relocation team from a team that hasn't made the playoffs in five years and uh, they're playing in like a 1,200-seat arena the next two years. Like, Dump. Saskatoon would be, I guess, the third rank, and obviously they're a top five, top five rank in the league, top five market in the league, whatever you want to call it. So that's like the most viable option, but it's like, you know... It's it's so weird because like there's some dumps to play in in junior hockey and maybe that had an influence on the exceptional status decision. You said it right though. If you're so good, take your team to the Telus Cup, win it, do it. There there's no one that's ever said, "Oh, I got worse or it hurt my hockey career to win a Telus Cup or to go there." Like if if you're that good, prove it. Let's see. Don't just be like, okay, I'm an exceptional hockey talent at the bantam level or midget prep. Like, there's 70 million different levels of hockey nowadays. It just depends on how much money you have. But, man, like, to go like, oh, we need exceptional status for just these couple of kids. 16 to play juniors. And then to the people going, he should leave and go play in the USHL. They got no clue. Hockey Canada is such pricks when it comes to leaving under the age of 18. I had to go through that mess when I was 16. Thankfully, I mean, I mean, I'll shout out the the Brandon Wheat Kings there for helping with that because they were beauties and saying, no, okay, we don't need to send this kid up to Larange, Saskatchewan. Let's let's it just let him be, let him go down. Have to get like release letters from every single midget and junior team within 150 plus kilometers of you. The SHA president at the time, I don't even know if he still is, but he was just a complete asshat too. So it was a joke just to get to your release. I don't know. It's it's yeah, not like, as easy as everyone's like, oh, you're just gonna go play in the USHL then. No, that doesn't happen. Yeah, they're not they're not letting this guy leave. Um, whether he likes it or not, like I don't think that they're gonna let him leave. But there's the old quote, nobody's ever been hurt by going back to their team another year instead of playing playing at the next level i remember this viral video of mike babcock and his big thing was he's like all these kids now they just want to get to the next level get to the next level gets get to the next level and he goes what's the matter with being the best player at the level you're at you know like what's the matter with dominating the league to a point where like guys can't even touch you and having the puck on your stick because you go to the next level and there's growing pains like Get there when you're ready and be good. Don't get there and play on the fourth line. That's what I say. Master the level you're at. There's nothing wrong with being the best. And uh, I mean, honestly, if you're going to be, well, I think it was, what was it? Ray Ferraro. He like opted out of the the dub or whatever. Cause he went back to trail BC 
puts up 150 points and he's like, best year of my life, developed the most. Yeah, I dominated, but at least I had the puck on my stick for so much time, more than I ever would have had. I believe it was Ray, so I might have just misquoted, but same concept. You guys get the point. Yeah, well, there's a lot of those guys where they want to play so badly at, at 16, and I think way more guys have been hurt by playing it at, at 16 than hurt by going back. I mean, Edmonton Oilers, perfect example. Why on earth did Pugliarvi even play 30 games in the NHL his first year? He should have either been back in Finland or they should have bought him a house in Bakersfield because they couldn't have sold it or signed a one-year lease and something like that. Just send them to the level so they master it. Don't send them to a level, play them seven minutes a game, and then wonder why their development got screwed up. No kidding. Got anything else uh, burning a hole there in the, the good old uh, show prep list? No, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, a 47-minute episode is, is probably all our viewers, listeners can handle of our terrible voices. Hey, and of course, uh, quick shout out, the beauties at SeatGeek, hooking the kid up again. Yeah, going to the Oilers game, Oilers versus Rangers, um, Monday night. So I guess it's today when everyone's hearing this. Yeah, so shout out to SeatGeek. Of course, if you're looking for tickets, uh, World Hockey Report, all caps, no spaces, and new energy. Bunch of new product. They just shipped it uh, just recently last week, whatever. Getting to it. We're going to be doing a big giveaway. So you got to stay tuned to the social media on that. Uh, giving away tons of cool stuff. But yeah, SeatGeek2, World Hockey Report. All caps, no spaces. Uh, use that promo code. 20 bucks off your purchase. Adam, let's get out of here. That's that. Peace. <laughs>